Why do we exist? Were we created with a purpose? Or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to The Universe Next Door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. The Universe Next Door is supported by the C.S. Lewis Society, Trinity College of Florida, and supported by gifts from listeners just like you. Discover more resources and continue the conversation at apologetics.org. And now, your host, the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward. Well, we are excited about the year 2020. I'm excited about the year 2020. Are you excited? I am. Are you uh, looking forward to this year with 2020 vision? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say that. Well, God gives us that vision, the sharp clarity that we need. And we're so thankful for the support of many, many people who enable this ministry, the C.S. Lewis Society, to proceed into its 32nd year. Yes, 32 years and counting here at Trinity College of Florida. And it's not too late if you're interested in enrolling as an auditor in one of our courses. You can actually do it sort of live through the Internet uh, coming up March 26th, cool. uh, five nights in a row. It's basically 6 Eastern through 930 and that's C.S. Lewis and the Compelling Case for Christianity coming up March 26th. And that's Thursday night for five consecutive Thursday nights. And if you are anywhere in Florida, in central Florida, you can hop on, on over and you can take either at 925, Tuesday and Thursday morning, the regular C.S. Lewis course where we read through five of his books, Mere Christianity, Problem of Pain, Miracles, Paralandra, the sci-fi novel, where it's a repeat of the Garden of Eden over on the planet of Venus. So that's pretty exciting. And so that, plus another book that is chosen by the students, uh, those books are read. Uh, four of them are discussed in class. It's pretty exciting. I go over the whole story of Lewis's life and his life, especially as an apologist, a defender, an explainer, and a fantastic uh, illustrator of the Christian faith in many, many dimensions. And so that is available uh, starting the middle of January, third week of January. We really get cranked up here in Tampa Bay. But if you're interested in maybe, you know, doing that course uh, by Internet, uh, you know, kind of linking through live connection, and we're going to be saving those day by day, connect uh, with uh, us through the Internet. Uh, you can actually become an auditor that way, too. Just reach out to T. Woodward. That's T, stands for my first name, Tom or Thomas, followed by Woodward, T. Woodward, at trinitycollege.edu. That's trinitycollege.edu. And I can get the information to you directly and quickly, simply. And uh, we actually, at 1 o'clock also on Tuesday and Thursday, 1, 1 o'clock Eastern, do have a course on Darwinism and intelligent design. The auditor fee is very, very inexpensive. It actually was cut um, down to a very low price, uh, especially for this semester, by the wonderful people of Trinity College of Florida. C.S. Lewis Society is uh, indebted, of course, to many, many people. I want to say a special thank you to Dr. James P. Gills. And speaking of 2020 vision, he's the one that uh, his clinic was able to help me uh, attain 2020 vision in my right eye about 25 years ago. And they were able to wow. do, do the special kind of zap surgery 
that uh, enabled me to see 2020 and the uh, 2020 vision of St. Luke's Cataract and Laser Institute has um, that ministry has continued a fantastic effect not just in physical healing of people's vision but literally spiritual healing of the vision of people of opening the eyes of many to Christ through their uh, benevolent giving we just thank you so much Dr. James P. Gills, uh, Dr. And, uh, and Mrs. Heather Gills as well. Uh, you are very special. We thank you uh, from the bottom of our hearts for all you've done through the last 30 years uh, to help and support what we're doing. So, um, by the way, I just got word, The Mysterious Epigenome, the book that Dr. Gills and I uh, were able to write in the year 2011. It was, came out the uh, Christmas time of 2011-2012 is going to be translated into Spanish. Woohoo! Oh, is that right? Yes. Wow. So that was just uh, made um, a definite yes, uh, and we're going to bring out a new edition of it. And so there will be a new English edition. So I'm very, very thrilled to be able to announce that. And so let's just jump back into speaking of clear vision. We need clear vision to understand the topic that we introduced last week, and that is the New Age. The New Age movement, the New Age doctrine, the New Age religious uh, perspective is one that began to explode in the 1960s and 70s. And then it roared to even a new level of prominence and popularity through the promotion of Shirley MacLaine and then Ken Wilber and others in the 80s and 90s. It's not quite the avant-garde hot new thing now in the year 2020 um, as we're entering 2020 at this point but it's it's still there it's still prominent it's still one of the most uh, let's say talked about and attractive worldviews and so let me just pick up where we left off last time and I'd like to give the background of this movement by saying that it is an escape from the really several other worldviews. It's a, it's a trying to get away from, I use that phrase, trying to get away from traditional Christian views for whatever reason. It retains a bit of the feel of Christianity because it, it engages with spiritualism and survival, life after death through reincarnation. And some people have actually tried to bring reincarnation into the Bible, such as the Unity School of Christianity, which uh, we can uh, talk about that here um, perhaps later in the broadcast, but uh, for sure next week. But the idea of escaping from the, uh, the traditional Christian view is one escape route. Others view themselves as escaping from nihilism. That is the pressure of a universe that is so scientifically viewed, it's lost meaning. It's just stuff. It's just particles. And we have a down deep sense that there is something beyond that. There's a numinous, and this is a word that C.S. Lewis himself used. He explains it at the beginning of the book, The Problem of Pain. Numinous is that sense of otherness, that sense of shock and awe, the sense of 
wow, there's something there. I can I can sense it. It's like a it's like a an angel. It's like a, a spirit. <laughs> I I'm not going to use the word ghost. Well, wait a minute. I just used it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, if if when your hair stands on end, and, and I, when I saw the 2020 program uh, that that Hugh Downs um, uh, led in like I think it was 1992, where the Catholic Church was engaged in a um, exorcism, a teenage girl had a, a demon. And as they showed the actual footage of the exorcism, I mean, my hair stood on end because I think that girl was demon-possessed. And that was kind of a, a scary, numinous moment. You know wow. what I mean? Because the supernatural had, in a kind of a nasty, awful way, broken through and was asserting its dominance over this. And, and the girl was spouting uh, information it knew about the priest and wow. almost spitting it in the face. Terrifying. Yeah, and so, and to me, that clairvoyance, that ability to know things that you wouldn't normally be able to know is is the smoking gun. That's the indica- indicative yeah. key defining trait that a demon is involved. Anyway, so, but a numinous experience, the sense that there's more than mere matter alone here is that spooky or kind of surreal, there's this kind of, you just sense it. You, you feel it, if I can use that word, that there's something beyond just stuff. Here. I think C.S. Lewis in, in The Problem of Pain, he used the example of a dead person. He said they should be considered the least threatening, but people mm-hmm. are terrified. <laughs> yes, yes. That, and, and he actually re- goes into the whole book, The Sense of the Holy by Rudolf Otto, one of the most influential books that, uh, that Lewis ever read, which actually develops this idea of the numinous. And so, and he says that the Bible is one of those amazing places in all the literature of the world where moral codes are joined four square completely, 100%, with the reality of the, the supernatural, that is, the numinous, as a real, real dimension of reality. So, um, so some people will say, oh, you know, I have to escape from just the, the scientific you know, stuff is all there is. I feel that there's numinous. Well, when you get into the New Age, you are really into the numinous because there's something spooky, there's something above mere matter. And then other people are like wanting to move slightly away from the Hindu or Buddhist, but they want to kind of flip it. Let me explain what I mean by that. The Hindu or Buddhist worldview says that there is a pantheistic view of God. In other words, God is Brahman. Notice I kind of gutturalized the H on my Brahman. Did you hear that? Yeah, that's Brah- good. Brahman. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes I tell my students, I, you need to put on your foul weather gear as I say this. <laughs> no, the spray will be a little heavy. Okay, so Brahman so that is the idea in both uh, the teachings of the Upanishads, okay, each of the uh, famous writings of, of Hinduism, okay, um, have these ending sections, okay. So the, the ending section of the great scriptures of the Hindus have the Upanishads, which is the philosophical treatise that explains the picture of reality. And the Upanishads lay out a view of Brahman as the totality, and we, the individual soul, are Atman, 
A-T-M-A-N, Atman, and when we die, the Atman is reabsorbed momentarily in the Brahman and then pops back out into another Atman through reincarnation. And the goal, of course, is to end that, that series of reincarnations by permanently being reabsorbed into Brahman without further reincarnation. And so it's like the soul ceases to exist, Atman ceases to exist, as the drop just stays in the ocean of Brahman. Does that make sense? Yeah. Not, not that you agree with it. Hopefully you, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> hopefully you do not agree with it. <laughs> thank you, Nick. I agree 100%. Yeah. Shake your head to the right and the Nailed left. It. Okay, yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay, so, but the, but, okay, now this is the interesting thing. Because that ends in your individual, fascinating, ex- interesting, wonderful personality being lost, completely extinguished forever. So that's why they even blow out a candle to symbolize this, this loss of individuality, individual personality. The New Age reverses it. Now you may say, what do you mean? Um, what I mean by this Instead of saying Atman is absorbed back into Brahman, they will literally say Brahman is Atman. Yeah. <laughs> now that, in other words, the, the ocean of total reality is you, the drop. You see, doesn't that make you, the drop, feel wonderful? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that the entire ocean, Brahman, is jammed in Condensed down, you talk about a, a condensation. You talk about a, uh, a concentration and condensation. That's quite a. Yeah. I'd like to see the, the machine that can cram all of that Brahman into one little drop of Atman. That's got to be the, the most amazing machine ever invented. So, so yeah, all of the universe is you. And, it, and again, it is like the ultimate. Um, insanity, I'm sorry, I just have to say it. It's the ultimate worldview insanity that says the totality of the entire universe is me. I mean, what would lead you to say that other than just a desire to feel better and maybe to feel um, encouraged, I don't know, um, that, wow, you mean I have the whole universe inside of me? I mean, it sounds good. It sounds seductive. I mean, it is seductive, but that's the the essence of it. So Ken Wilber, I'm um, reading from actually the book that Groteis, we mentioned Doug Groteis, an expert on the New Age, uh, brings this out actually in his book, Christian Apologetics. And as he's talking about these um, experiences of what it's like to follow this worldview, He's actually uh, quoting from some of these individuals. And, and Ken Wilbur, uh, a very top exponent of the New Age, is talking about um, Brahman and how this Brahman is con- condensed or concentrated into that drop of Atman. And he talks about the experience that you can have. And, the, and he actually talks about the emptiness that transcends personality, logic, and language. And this emptiness 
It possesses properties of freedom, love, wholeness. He writes of the original face, and that's what the universe has. And that original face is then concentrated down into you. Well, what do you think of, of the original face? You think of a personal God, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but according yeah. to the, 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 you know, the teachings of both Buddhism, Hinduism, and... There is none. There is no personal God in this pantheistic view of the universe. So poetic language is, is just papering over what really is poor philosophy. So to get back to the basic tenets of this new age concept or the new consciousness, it's sometimes described. And I'll just pick up where we left off. The nature of being, whatever it is, um, the self is the kingpin. The self is prime reality. And the more that we grow in awareness of the fact that the self is ultimate reality, then that brings us to the exciting realization that the human race is on the verge of a radical change in human nature. In other words, transformed humanity is coming to a neighborhood near you. I, I added that last last phrase. That's not in the original <laughs> book. Okay. Okay. So the, the idea, of course, is very deeply problematic. Um, what is the self? What exactly is this thing that is Atman and Brahman? Because Brahman is non-personal. Monism, pantheistic monism that we described weeks ago, and that's, again, Buddhism, Hinduism, the oneness is matter, energy, all the selves, everything, the table, the galaxies, you know, whatever deities that may supposedly exist and but do not really ultimately exist. There's just one thing, and that's Brahman. So what is this? stuff. Is it personal? Uh, no. So as Jim Sire says, is it idea or spirit or a psychomagnetic field or the unity that binds the diversity of cosmic energy? Proponents of the New Age do not, do not agree, but they do insist that the self, the consciousness center of the human being, is indeed the center of the universe. Wow. Whatever else exists besides the self, if in fact anything else does exist, it exists for the self. The external universe exists not to be manipulated from the outside by a transcendent God, but to be manipulated from the inside by the self. Does that make it clear, Nick? Yeah, very clear. Okay. Yeah. So the self is in the driver's seat. Then just a little bit further down, uh, Wilbur, actually, um, or actually this is John Lilly. He just um, just hits the nail uh, on the head when he says, we are facing into the uh, known universe. We are creating it. Yeah, It's so easy to verify that that's not true <laughs> in any sense. I mean, I'm going to repeat that. We are facing into the known universe, creating it, filling it. I'm, I'm not kidding. Uh, this is really, it's on page 147 of The Universe Next Door. You know, Jim Sire is quoting Lily, uh, this yeah. exponent of the New Age. Oh, my goodness. Um, he, I'll skip to the next sentence. I feel the power of the galaxy pouring through me, 
I am the creation process itself. Incredibly strong, incredibly powerful. I am one of the boys in the engine room pumping creation from the void into the known universe. From the unknown to the known, I am pumping. Oh, well, last I checked, the boys in the engine room aren't the creators. They're just working. <laughs> they're, they're just working. And they're the kind of helpers. They're the elves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then when Lily finally reaches the inner space, he calls plus three. You like that title? Yeah. You have to make sure the plus sign is before the three. Okay. <laughs> so when he reaches the inner space, he calls plus three, the fullest, deepest penetration of reality. He becomes God himself. He, he becomes, so to speak, both the universe and the universe maker. So he says, quote, why not enjoy bliss and ecstasy while still a passenger in the body on this spacecraft? Dictate thine own terms as passenger. The transport company has a few rules, but it may be that we dream up the company and its rules too. There are no mountains, no molehills, just a central core of me and transcendent bliss. Okay, now what about imagination? Imagination, according to Lily, is the same thing as reality. Quote, wow. and, excuse me, all and everything that one can imagine exists. So you see, if you distinguish or cease to distinguish between imagination and reality, you've almost lost touch with reality. Yeah, I mentioned this in the, the Mormonism episode, but it's a lot of these religions are based off of Satan's lie in Genesis that you'll be like gods. Exactly. The connection point is right there. Let me jump down. He says, uh, actually, this is Shirley MacLaine. He, she says, to take responsibility for one's power would be the ultimate expression of what we call the God force. Okay? That is just, again, a Satan's uh, invitation to self-destruction. Well, the cosmos, point two, while unified in itself, is manifested in two more dimensions, the visible universe and the invisible universe, or mind at large accessible through altered states of consciousness. So they say the cosmos has two, two dimensions, the visible and the invisible, and you have to get into that mind and uh, the, the mental uh, stage of it through altered uh, stages of consciousness. Point three, the core experience of the New Age is cosmic consciousness in which ordinary categories of space, time, and morality tend to disappear. Now this scares me. You see, when you talk in terms of the core experience, or cosmic consciousness, as they call it, and they say that space and time tend to disappear, I mean, I can kind of lose track of space and time, but when you say morality tends to disappear, mm -hmm. you know, alarm bells go off it in the night. dangerous, yeah. Dangerous, yeah. Uh, there are all kinds of Hindu roots. Uh, this is well laid out, of course, into this in the, a fantastic uh, chapter, the treatment of... Um, of uh, Jim Sire is just magisterial. Number four, physical death is not the end of, uh, of self. Under the experience of cosmic consciousness, the fear of death is removed. And so there is always a transition from the one life to the next life. You always have this transmigration, the promise of another life, and that is a, a hideous uh, deception uh, built into this worldview. Point five, three distinct attitudes are taken to the metaphysical question of the nature of reality. Uh, there's an occult vision uh, in which the beings are perceived as states of altered consciousness. There's a psychedelic uh, idea in which these things and beings are pro projections of the conscious self. And there's a relativist version 
in which the cosmic consciousness uh, is actually a conscious activity of a mind using one of the various models for reality, um, which may be true uh, in, in varying degrees depending on which model you use. And uh, time, of course, is escaping us to go into some of the other main points of this worldview. But I will just close by saying this. The worldview of, and we'll cover this next week as we uh, go into the Unity School of Christianity and also Christian Science, but the, the worldview that we need to understand that provides the truth is one found in John 14, 6. I'm the way, said Jesus, the truth and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. Put your trust in Christ and you will have eternal life because he died for you and rose again. He shattered death and he offers eternal life to you today. If you receive him and receive the, the gift of life, you will have the conquest of death that the new age could never, ever provide. See you back next week on The Universe Next Door.